Hello, hello. Let's get right into another KG Fifth Ward Wildcat and Doc podcast. Gentlemen, how are you? Doing well, doing well. That was Doc. Wildcat, how are you? I'm doing as well as can be expected. As well as can be expected. Okay. I think you gentlemen were were at SWEC Football Media Day a week and some change ago. So let's talk about that in just a second. I want to talk basketball because I think the podcast be football dominated. Uh, so let's get the basketball out of the way. Uh, first off, uh, let's see. We got uh, interviews with Coach Ronald Huey from U of H Women's Hoops and Donna Finney, HBU Women's Hoops on a Houston Ron Barview website. You can check that out. Also on... Uh, SoundCloud, Google Play, and Stitcher, and I, I think iTunes as well. Um, last Monday, on July 16th, the NCAA Basketball Committee announced Houston would host a men's Final Four in 2023. They announced the host cities for 23, 24, 25, and 26. Honestly, I don't care about the other three we're talking about because we live in H-Town. So let's focus on uh, Houston 23. I'll mention Phoenix will host in 24. Uh, let's see. Indy will host in 26. And San Antonio will host in 2025. So you got Houston, Phoenix, San Antonio, and Indianapolis. Be the third time Houston will host the men's Final Four, which leads me, Wildcat, to my jump-off point. And and this is a segment of the interview with Coach Huey, where I ask him about what it would mean to him if the city of Houston were named a host of a women's Final Four. So listen to that interview toward the end of the interview, and listen to his comments because his sentiment is similar to Wildcat, and my sentiment is he it would be. Awesome, it'd be best thing since sliced bread for Houston to be a host of a women's final four. But he said he was pissed off when Houston was named host of a men's final four and there was no mention about what they're gonna do for the women's final four. So I let let him know different timetable for both events. But gentlemen, point blank. H Town will have hosted or be named a host for a men's final four three times. Not one time yet, yet. That's key because there'll be a site visit in August for the Women's Final Four will be in Houston yep. in August, but not one time yet has Houston hosted a Women's Final Four. Houston will host a Men's Final Four for the third time when, let's be real, NRG Stadium, there is very little to do within walking distance of that stadium. That's true. Now, I, with that being said, I'm going to let you finish. But I'm, with that being said, the opportunity for everybody to see what's downtown comes in, what, 19 or the 20? The uh, men's reason will be here in 20. Okay. Now, me, personally, I hope to God that they impress enough folks when they finally come downtown 
because that's what it all boils down to coming downtown not being out on the outskirts out by the loop out in the south part of town on the train you know with an empty field on the other side of the freeway a bunch of parking lot that's all well and good but when it's going on here in h-town it's going on downtown i'm hoping that they will look at that and says okay we need to do so we need to correct something we need to come downtown not that we need to give them something but they've earned it well let me say this wildcat doc you can jump on in in a second dan gavitt the senior vp of the men's basketball committee was quoted as saying one of the reasons they chose houston to host the men's final four again was because right. of the improvements downtown at George R. Brown Convention Center and the, the uh, Marriott Marquis Hotel being built. So that says right there, the men's committee is looking to downtown Houston to for most of the events around the men's Final Four. So if that's how they are thinking for the men's Final Four, then damn it, it should be a no-brainer for them to select Houston to host a women's final four when the games themselves would take place downtown in the Toyota Center. So everything would be within walking distance of Toyota Center for the women's final four. And, and that's the point right there. You just said it right there. Walking. They can walk to the hotel. They can walk to the little salad bars. They can walk to the train. They can walk to, to, the, to the convention center. Everything is within a short. This is not one of them big cities right now. And trust me, the three of us have been out to a lot of places. When they start talking about walking, it's a big difference. And I do remember some long walks we done had for the wrong reason. <laughs> yes, sir. Doc, you But the three of us can attest that it's a lot of walking in these other places. We're getting from one, from, from one event to the other. And it shouldn't be. Yeah, I think this boils down to the team that is putting together the bid for the women's Final Four versus the team that's putting the bid together for the men's Final Four. Uh, People may not be aware, but there's actually two different groups uh, that ultimately uh, come together to put the bid package. Now, obviously, it's all under the Harris County Sports Authority, but different groups... Uh, come together. So you lay out brilliantly in a lot of ways that there's no real difference in rationale of why the men would be in a good position to get the Final Four and not the women uh, based on the layout of the city and then improvements particularly going forward. So it'll be interesting to see uh, if that's the case uh, when the Final Four the women names their different sites and it's our understanding Houston is in the bid process. Make sure that we clearly get that out there. So now it's about uh, putting the package together in such a way that you can sell the job. And obviously, they've been brilliant in terms of their ability to sell it for men's basketball and not so much for women's basketball. But I think there's a different uh, attitude in terms of Houston, um, really trying to get more premier events. Uh, all together overall, uh, everywhere from 
soccer, the international matchups in terms of football, as they call it international. Obviously, the Super Bowl, uh, men's Final Four, All Star Game. Um, so uh, it'll be for me. It'll just be interesting to see uh, can this team. Uh, make the argument that puts Houston in an appropriate position to get the winners final four. And, and let me add this, because this is important. And I'm curious about this. I find it interesting that the partners for the men's final four come into Houston, in addition to the Harris County Houston Sports Authority, are U of H, HBU, TSU, and Rice. However, for the women's final four, the partner with the Harris County Houston Sports Authority is Texas A and M. So, great what, point. So, what is it? Why aren't those four local Houston area schools involved with the women's final four bid, but they are involved with the men's final four bid? Now let me just—I'm—I'm I'm, I'm saying this from my heart. Could it be that the consistent NC2A participant is Texas Southern? I mean Texas A&M. No, that's not what I said. For for the men, you talking about on the women's side? For the Houston team. For the Houston team, could it be that the most consistent participant in NC2A in a bus, uh, a, a public transportation bus ride is Texas Southern. But why wouldn't they be part I think of the, the Aggies? I think that's a great point that you bring up there. But unfortunately, if you look back on the men's side, obviously you've had Texas Southern as the participants. Lately, uh, University of Houston has gotten in, and that does it. Uh, and so, how do you correlate that? It's more on the men's side, and they decide to push the issue versus on the women's side. I think, frankly, you know, we need to kind of stare, we look and stare it in the face. And the fact is, is that um, you're looking at the gender issue, and those are the people that are involved seem to get more excited about the men's side of it, even if their institutions are not directly involved. Uh, versus what you see on the women's side. And obviously, as we follow Texas A&M, they've won a national championship, and they've done a better job of pushing the excitement of women's basketball. And so for them, it was a no-brainer uh, to partner. And let me say, um, when the men's final four was here in 2016, not all four Houston area schools were part of the the work. I think it was. Uh, I think HBU was not in the in the four. No, but they did host some events in the process. And well, I put it like this: every time the Final Four has come here, they've hosted some events at their particular facility. We've got what's that? One, two, three, four. NC2A, four-year schools right here uh, in a public transportation bus ride. Uh, events, pretty much all those events are either a, a specifically set, a, set, a, set aside 
for elementary and middle school kids uh, that are below the age of recruiting level. And uh, most of those events, if I'm not mistaken, are all free. And they do it, and they uh, the one mm -hmm. big events that, that are free are the camps and all that they put on on a regular basis. Got it. All right. But all but so everything we're saying just adds to my question: Why aren't those four schools a part of the bid for a women's final four? Because the Aggies I, were part of it previously, correct? Yeah, correct. And for, and for other reasons. Uh, Houston did not get to this final stage like they have this time. So, because it's it's not based on attendance, because this is a football town. Men's basketball, Houston, U of H, Rice, and TSU don't have great attendance in basketball. For the men, so I'm not even worried about for the women. They don't draw well on men's basketball. Rice basketball is in a rebuild right now. HBU has been is in a constant rebuild, so it's it's not, it cannot be, and it is not that those four schools are basketball powers, and people in the Houstonians flock to see them play because they don't. But yeah, that's true. the folks in charge yeah, have true. done a great job of getting the NCAA to come here now three times for a Final Four. And apparently, as Doc has touched on, those same people are not involved for Women's Final Four. Because when the announcement was made on the 16th, there were media on Twitter decrying the selection of Houston because there are not a lot of things within walking distance of NRG Stadium. Everything will be downtown. You, you spend all your time downtown after Galleria, but the games themselves will, will be miles away. <laughs> but That's true. contrast that to a women's Final Four being downtown at Toyota Center, everything, the games, the events, the shopping, will be downtown within walking distance. But the whole school is a hundred miles away. At least. At least. So I'm curious, I mean, years ago, this this is, and I really spent a lot more time on this than I thought I would. Years ago, Wildcat and I were part of this, and this is for people who may be new to the podcast, Wildcat and I were part of one of the initial bids in 2005 to get a women's regional to Houston. We were two of the people to get that discussed because attending Final Fours, non-Houstonians, coaches, media, were like, we gotta, we gotta come to Houston for a Final Four. So they planted the seed and said, Chris, Jerry, I need to make this happen. We had no <laughs> idea what, how to do it. So we talked to some folks and got that process and discussion going Let's be honest. And we didn't know how to spend other folks' money. That's, and, that's and what I, it all and I, and I throw it out there point blank. In 2005, for a regional Final Four, we talked to people at the Harris County uh, Sports Authority. I'm not going to toss your names, but one of them is still local, works locally, is famous now, still one of my, my, my buddies. 
my alma mater didn't want anything to do with it. Because one of the reasons we were told was we don't, and this is back when U of H women's basketball wasn't great. We don't want Baylor playing on our floor. We don't, we don't want the site of Baylor University playing on our home court. Because at that time, Hall Fines was going to be, was up for the bid of the whole school. It wasn't Toyota Center. So that was the mentality of it, you know, 12, 13 years ago. And, and Wildcat, correct me if I'm wrong, you and I have heard that certain media departments didn't want to do the work because it says too much work. Yep. At the Final Four. To do, to, and that's yes. local. <clears throat> yes. Yes. Which brings me once again back to my point. Embarrassing. The men's media department school seem to be cool with doing all the work. But the women doesn't seem to be cool with doing the work. Because once again, why is on the men's side, Houston, Rice, HBU, and TSU part of the bid for the men's Final Four coming to Houston, but they're not part of the bid for the women's Final Four. And the Aggies are part of it. It's not just attendance. Because some of the things we've seen the the uh, the paperwork involved for the presentation. Some of the stuff, I'm not sure how A&M is going to do it. Being 100 miles away. <clears throat> but buildings and facilities for a Houston to host a women's Final Four is right. It's, it should be obvious. Facilities are here for Houston. Now, presentation and who gives that presentation and what they say and how they answer questions that will be asked during the presentation because that'll be in uh, September and then the final decision will be in October. We'll see if they can answer those questions because I've been to 15 straight final four. I've heard people point blank say it recently Houston needs to have a final four. And I'm like, who you telling? I know this. Doc knows this. Wildcat knows this. We won't get into some of the funny comments that Wildcat and I have said if Houston got a final four, what we would do if that day happens, if that announcement comes forth. But, and we definitely won't say what conversation we've had with the people involved. But facility-wise, I just it it makes too much sense now that you got the expansion of George R. Brown and the new hotels downtown. It makes too much sense for Houston to get a Final Four. So I will I will be I won't be surprised. But come October, if Houston is not a one of the hosts for the Women's Final Four, I'll be pissed off. Yeah. Yeah. Because the last time we were this close where our name where the city's name was was actually coming up on an announcement, we lost out first to Dallas and then to Columbus. And after that, KG and I kind of like minds went blank. Literally. Because the only thing I could see was I I kind of got why Dallas was was in the mix. But when it when Columbus name came up, my mind was boggled. 
I, I had to kind of like sit down and like, what the hell? What the hell? And it kept coming down to why not us? We've gotten facilities all over the place, especially downtown. Now. There's no excuse. None. That's, that's, that's why I'm going to leave it because Final Four this past year in Columbus, Columbus raised the bar in terms of, of walking distance, facilities, bar, restaurants. Everybody had a great time. The games were awesome too, but everybody had a great time in Columbus. Houston, yeah, no question about it. Houston could do the same thing. I've had people, high up people, is coming to Houston. It should come to Houston. I'm like, yeah, it should. <laughs> I hope it does. But, so, real quick, two things. U of H men announced their non-conference schedule. Rice men announced their entire schedule. Um, U of H men are, are riding a wave of success, fellas. They got 13 non-conference games. 11 of them are at home. 11 of them. 11 of 13 games, non-conference games, are at home. I think that's good. I think that's impressive. To me, I prefer some neutral side games, if not some outright road games, to get some top notch, top 25, top 40 competition. But you got LSU coming here in Fertitta Center. Of course, you got the, the Fertitta Center opener with Oregon. That's Pac-12. That's SEC. You got a good St. Louis team coming here. So... That's good. The two road games got at BYU and at Oklahoma State. So it's a good schedule. It's better than it has been. Still got a SWAC school, which, you know, Alabama AM. I'm not fond of that, of course. It's an ATSU or why play a SWAC school. I'm sorry. You know, um, they're also playing Cochran State. But the entire non conference schedule, go to my men's who's blog, click on the link. You can see that, as well as the Rice Owls, entire schedule for the Rice Owls. Go to the uh, blog and see that I was going to BYU, to Wichita State. They are playing uh, Houston at HPE in November because the Cougs' first handful, first month of games will be at HPE because they won't open Fertitta until December. But go to my hoops blog, men's hoops blog, and see both schedules for the Rice and men's women, men's basketball, U of H and Rice men's basketball, U of H women's non-conference schedule. I think will be announced. If not in its entirety, Monday, they'll start announcing piece by piece, little teasers this coming week. Um, I know I've, I've seen the schedule. It's not too shabby. We already know one of the opponents because it was announced, both schools announced it a few weeks ago. U of H women are playing Texas A&M in the opener for Tita Center on December 5th. So... One last thing, got to get this. Got to get y'all's take on this before he's going to football mode. In my interview with Coach Huey, he said, and I'm surprised I haven't gotten more comments. He said his goal for U of H women's basketball this year, this coming season, is to reach the Sweet 16. I thought he lost I'm his mind. I'm glad I'm sitting down. I'm glad I'm sitting down. I thought he lost his mind. I told him so. I told him during the interview, I said, that's a bold statement, Coach. But he believes, I mean, he's, his mentality, the talent it has gotten better. One of his main reasons is uh, you got to put it out there. If you don't believe it, you can't achieve it. So he believes that this year's team can get to the Sweet 16. Honestly, I'm just hoping to get to the tournament. 
you know, thank keep, you. Keep thank you. Thank you. Thank you. WNIT last year gets a tournament this year, but he believes. I mean, he says, just like I said, go to my women's who's blog, listen to the entire interview, or read the comments that are on the blog, and then go to SoundCloud or Stitcher or Google Play to listen to the interview. He believes this team can get to the Sweet 16. Clearly, got to stay healthy, as with every team. Success of, of any team, health is a, is a key factor. But when he said it, I'm still shocked that he, that he said it. He sticks to it because I told him once the interview was done, before I posted it, I said, okay, before I post this, you're sure you are con- content that I'm going to lead with your Sweet 16 comment. Yep, no doubt. Run with it. I'm like, okay. Ronald Huey says, you've raised his goal is for the team to get to the Sweet 16 this year. Doc, what do you think? That's really bold. Um, I heard, like you said, speaking into existence, high process, but I think there's steps. And it seems like he's skipping steps. You got to make the tournament first uh, to start going on a run in the tournament. But he certainly is shooting high, and so it'll be interesting uh, to follow this season and taking take that next step and really be competitive in U of A, uh, in, excuse me, in the in American in terms of being one of those top two, three teams. We know who the top team will be, uh, but can they take that next step to really be in position to be number two and three? And if you think about it, uh, U of H made the basketball tournament this year and uh, really were in a position to be in the Sweet 16, so things can come together. That's the men, That's the men. That's right. Okay. That's the only. That's the only <laughs> way I can put it out there that he was thinking that, and even the men last second shot couldn't quite make it happen, uh, but they were right there. So I guess uh, if you uh, can get a couple of things together and you can start believing and start running off games, things can come together quite quickly. But I don't see it. I don't see Sweet Sixteen. I think that they'll be in a position to push for a tournament bid. The sweet, sweet 16 seems uh, out of reach. But that's why I'm on the sideline cover and why the coaches out there coaching and the players play. We'll certainly see if they can make it happen. Come back and look at me and say, I told you. Yeah. And as, as an alum, I love it. No question. As a member of the media, I love it because if my mom, if my mom's health is good, I would probably go cover the first two rounds. So if they right. win, that's great for me too. You know, I, from a, from a perspective. I'm, I'm like this, and I, I, I always keep this in mind. I when, when coaches and folks ask me about it, I always answer when they start talking. You know, out of the outside the box, I said, "Take me to a place I ain't been before. Take me to a place I hadn't been before." So, U of H had to take us to a place we hadn't been before. And I'm a, on the women's side. Agreed. And I'm gonna pour some cold water on his belief as as they finished uh, tied for fourth last year in the conference. So because of that finish, the schedule in conference games includes two games this year against UConn 
two games against South Florida. They're not beating UConn. But those four games, UConn and South Florida, that's four games against top 25 teams. So that's great for your strength of schedule. It looks good but, on your resume. But they got to beat South Florida. But one there you go. Times. One of those times. You can't go on for, you know, those four games. Got to beat South Florida once. Got to. Here, Tampa, whatever. Just got to do it once. And then they got, I think, Central Florida twice. And, you know, they had problems with them last year. The schedule's tougher based on how they finished last year. Now, so I'm not convinced good. they're going to be able to match their win total from last season because of the tougher schedule. Go ahead, Wildcat. Let me ask this question. You and I both saw the improvement of Wichita State on the women's side. Could they be an issue this year? Could they be a contender? At least force a notice on everybody else. Sure. You know, I, I think Cincinnati will be improved from last year. They got a, a new coach who's coached a coach great at West Kentucky. Michelle Clark Hurd. She can coach. So, yeah. Women's basketball in the conference from 2 to 12 should be very competitive this year. I'm still waiting for somebody to beat number one in conference because that's what it's going to take for the American women's side to get national respect because everybody still thinks that's what it is. It's UConn everybody else. Right. South Florida did a better job the last time they played UConn. They lost by 17 points. I think that's the closest last season uh, that a team came to uh, UConn. But two years ago, Tulane lost at home by three. UConn was, was, was solid. I think Kia Nurse missed that game, you could, and her absence was, was felt. But no team has beaten, no conference team, no American Athletic Conference team has beaten UConn yet. That has happened for the national respect of the conference to increase. So we'll see if that takes place. Uh, let me see here. Wildcat talking about Wichita State. I'm trying to see uh, last year. U of H swept them. I doubt they sweep them this year. But U of H had some bad losses in conference last year to teams not named UConn and not named South Florida. They can't do that this year. Especially if you want to get to Sweet 16. You know. And go ahead. You cannot be losing leads and holding on and looking for the clock to run out at the end of games. Well they he did a lot of that last year. They can't they can't rely on coming from behind. They they can't rely on falling down with double digits and pushing this button or flipping a switch and say, okay, now nah, let's let's go and and try to come from behind and win. That's not what great teams do. Good teams, hell, good teams, you know, jump out early, stay ahead. You don't have to come from behind the whole 10, 12 times. Give people heart attacks. Get a lead, keep a lead. All right. Basketball discussion, go to HoustonRoundBarView.com. I think you got a, an idea of where we stand on the city of Houston and the women's final four bid. Um, hopefully it happens. 
we'll see how it goes and obviously we'll talk about it in future podcasts one way or the other yay or night yay or nay if it happens but I know this the Women's Final Four in 2019 will be in Tampa I'll be there I'm hoping I'll be uh, there talking about boy I look forward to this coming to Houston in 2021 yeah. or 2022 instead of yeah. damn it <laughs> it, it, happened, it ain't happening again so, and, well, I'm gonna tell you now. I'm gonna be like this. I'm gonna be worse this time. First time I kind of like, uh, okay, let me kind of like sit back and gather myself. But this time, fellas, I may have to grab somebody by the collar and ask, what the hell happened? Tell me the truth. What went wrong? Yeah, because Houston is a finalist this time. This is the this is the farthest on the women's final four, obviously. The city of Houston well, has come in terms of site <laughs> visits, getting to this point, and, and all this kind of stuff. And especially getting to the point where people are telling us, this is this is y'all's best shot. This is the best shot y'all got. Well, yeah, yeah. Now that, okay. that's pretty much true. That's pretty much true. They, before, it was okay, y'all in the mix. And I took that and kind of like ran with it. But this time, folks, they basically said, look, just don't screw this up. Just don't screw it up. <laughs> just don't screw it up. And all I can look at them and tell them is that Chris and myself are not on the committee. We're not the one making the decision. Literally, I've told them just that. And with that, KG, anything else? Yes. Shift into uh, go back to Swack Media Day. Uh, if you two were there, I saw Doc and Charles Bishop doing their uh, Facebook Live, and I see Wildcat walking back and forth in the background, going to Dude, interview people. I've never. So hold, hold up, hold up, before you start, let me say this: Doc and them were in a prime position. Yeah, I could tell. They had, but now, I've never been where it's that closeness of everybody else in a room that size and everybody was like right there and the only time I got a one-on-one was when I got a chance to talk to the TSU um, head coach uh, uh, Coach Haywood to the interim SWAT commissioner and the two players that came in Julian and uh I'm trying to remember the, the other kid, uh, Woodard. I think that's his name. And I kind of enjoyed myself. But I've never been to a media day like that before in my life. And I'm just being honest. It was it was good for me to go because I had a chance to witness that, you know, to witness a swag day. Um, and I've been covering the swag for a long while now. Um, finally got me an opportunity and I was happy about it. I'd helped out where I could and uh, made some uh, some new friends. And we had some nice conversations. Kind of good to like, hang out with, with new folks every now and then. You get in light. And Doc and his friends enlighten me <laughs> to HBCU football. It was a good day. Doc, take it away. Appreciate it. Uh, the biggest talk 
of the conference media day uh, was really off the field. It was about whether Charles, Dr. Charles McCullen would make an appearance. Many of you all have heard by now, or may have heard, I should say by now, is that he has, is the finalist and has been selected, and they, were, they have been negotiating and actually going back and forth in regards to the contract. So in a, a lot of ways, uh, people were disappointed when they didn't see him in the house. And I had got the word a little earlier, person talking to him, that he actually told me, <laughs> tell everybody, it was funny to some degree, he said, well, let them know that I won't, I won't be there tomorrow because I talked to him Thursday. A lot of people are talking about that. And then the second biggest announcement uh, was the fact that Birmingham was awarded the SWAC football championship game. And as well as we talked a little bit about a basketball earlier, they were also awarded the basketball game for 2019. It's a one-year deal and uh, the article that really broke it down was the fact that the once a new commissioner selected, they will go back to the table and decide what they're going to do with the SWAC championship game moving forward. And this was big news because it hadn't been talked about uh, outside. And they had made a decision, when I say they, the SWAC president and chancellors made a decision that they would continue with the SWAC championship game, uh, but the team with the re best record in regular season would have a home game. They never publicly put that out there. Uh, so when this came out that the Birmingham got the championship game, a lot of people uh, the outside of Birmingham were concerned and saying, why did they get it and how did this happen? Some people were happy about the flat championship game being continued. So a lot of motion, a lot of talk going on about that. And so that was really big news. My understanding that the city of uh, city of Birmingham and the mayor, city council, really put an aggressive deal on the table uh, where they're paying for the team's travel, lodging, and they're providing a uh, honorarium for uh, both teams participating in the game. So in a lot of ways, for the flag president, it seemed like a no-brainer. The other thing that we were really excited about and you talked about this a little bit that we did uh, Facebook Live and we did our radio role uh, interview and we had a list of people and really put it in Joma's work I would say and I'll give you a list of people that interviewed so you can get the length of the interviews and the expansiveness of people that we actually got to talk to about SWAC football. We had Mo Carter. He's a sports anchor for WZDX News out of Huntsville, Alabama. Uh, he covers Alabama and then Bulldogs and, and other sports around that area. Uh, but is a Southern alone really excited about that. He was just awarded 40 under 40 for Southern University. Congratulations to Mo Carter. We also had an interview with uh, Mr. John Grant, executive director of ESPN, NEAC Slack Challenge and Celebration Bowl. Uh, he really got into some insightful information about television and how television works versus traditionally how HBCU fans measure success in a lot of ways about attendance 
and the gate. And so the fascinating information he provided uh, in terms of statistics and data uh, really educated the fans. Then we got into an interview with the interim director of athletics, VP Auxiliary Service, Curvy A&M University's Fred Washington. I uh, got a chance to talk to Titus Howard, Swack Creaser, first team offensive tackle of Alabama State University. That was really neat to interview him because he talked about the fact that he played quarterback. He played quarterback in high school until he ate himself out of that position and went to tight end. And then he ate himself out of that position and went to offensive tackle. But because of the quarterback, a lot of people are saying that he might have ate his way into the NFL. So that's the name. Get out of here. Yep, that's the name to keep your eyes on for those fans that like to see HBCU players or just uh, different players in general from uh, what people would call smaller colleges get into the NFL. So Titus Howard uh, is someone to keep your eyes on. Great interview we had with him. Then we had uh, Ashley Robinson, VP and Director of Athletics at Jackson State University now. Many of many people around here know Ashley Robinson, previously VP of Athletics at Prairie a University. Obviously, he's taking a job at Jackson State. So he got a chance to talk about the move, thank people from Prairie View, and really galvanize uh, the fans at Jackson State in terms of how he wants to move that program forward. Then we got a chance to get in interview with uh, some coaches, starting with Donald Hill Healy, uh, head football coach at Alabama State University. Then this one was really uh, exciting for a lot of us because it's quite different. We had an interview with the director of officiating, Harold Mitchell, and he had a great interview that uh, was informative when he talked about uh, NCAA rules in terms of the bands playing. And those that follow HBCU football know that uh, the body of the bands is big, but the NCAA doesn't allow uh, continuous playing, particularly when the quarterback is on the center. And he talked about how it's supposed to be an automatic penalty, but how they try to preserve the culture. And that's why they do warnings for HBC football before they penalize. And they decided not to penalize the team, but they'll penalize the band or the university. And it's a um, financial fee to serve for it. So that was really interesting, uh, finding out that kind of news. Uh, so a lot of people were excited about that. Then we had go back into these uh, football coaches, Vincent Dance, new coach at Mississippi Valley State. Cedric Thomas, another new coach at University of Arkansas Pine Bluff. We had Broderick Fobbs, head coach at Grambling State University. It was interesting when we did an interview with him. All the Grambling like fans seemed to come out of the woodwork. So that made for an entertaining interview. Yeah, Dawson Odoms, head coach football uh, at Southern University. He got in a little bit talking about uh, how it's all right for his fans to be nasty, that he wants his Southern Jaguar fans to be a little more nasty, that they want to uh, make uh, other fans, when they come to the bluff, make it tough on them, get real loud. So that was entertaining. Got in here to Texas, head coach Michael Haywood of Texas Southern University. Gave us a really good interview. Seems like he's excited about what he's bringing in terms of transfers and Juco players. So see if he can take the program to the next level. It'll be interesting to watch there. Then we went off the beaten path a little bit and got a chance to 
talk with sports information director Brian Howard of Grammar State University. He gave us some insight as he previously was in the uh, the conference office, conference office of the MEAC, then going to Alabama State, and he talked about coming over to Gramlin, as they call it around there, the G, and being a part of a football tradition and how he really has uh, gravitated that and likes that. Then we went in for the other football coach over there in Texas at Prairie v University, Eric Dooley, and we closed it off with an interview with Eric Gant, the interim commissioner of the SWAC. So uh, a lot of information, and the fans really paid us off for the hard work we did as we got over 2.5K uh, views on Facebook. So we're really excited. For those out there, you can go to Dr. Kenyatta Cavill, that's D-R-K-E-N, Y-A-T-T-A-C-A-V-I-L scroll down there and you'll see video talking about an interview for the SWAC 2018 Football Media Day and when you get a chance you can listen to some of those interviews and scan through there uh, or listen to the whole thing. We certainly would love you to do that. So that was big news right there in terms of what was going on at the Media Day. Quickly let me give you some updates about the players. Uh, SWAC preseason offensive player of the year is a running back, T.J. Simmons. Garnered the most votes there and uh, was uh, player of the preseason player of the year. He averaged 8.6 yards per carry on a total of 80 carries for 687 yards and seven touchdowns last year. The other defensive player of the year was Grambling State's Dearest Christmas. Defensive uh, player of the year. Yeoman work. Thing that excited about us is the fact on Friday night, as we were out there talking to coaches and having a little fun, you walk by the workout room and guess who's in there? Yes, sir, Mr. Christmas. He was getting it in that night, let you know, uh, pretty serious about football, and you start you start to understand why Gremlin finds a way to continue to be in the SWAC championship game to make those runs to the Celebration Bowl uh, year after year. So those were the two highlight players in terms of offensive player of the year, defensive player of the year. Won't go through the first team offense, the second team defense uh, for a time special case. I mean special team, uh, but you could really was interesting. About sixty percent of the team was with three teams, which was Alcorn State, Grambling, and Southern. Uh, if you talk, get in prayer view, talk about seventy percent of the team. So you can tell the West is loaded which gets us to the predicted order of finish. Let's start out east and then bring it back west on this side. Starting in the eastern division, starting at the bottom, you have Mississippi United States with 27 points, Alabama A&M with 51 points, Jackson State selected third with 55 points, Alabama State coming in second preseason-wise with 72 points, and Alcorn State with 95 points is predicted to win the eastern division for the fifth straight years they've done it for the last four years similar as in the western division you have the same team picked at the top but let's go in order uh, of finish from the bottom arkansas pine bluff at 30 right above them was texas southern with 31 then you have prairie view coming in in the third slot 65 southern second at 78 and again grammar state is predicted to win the western division and face off against all point state and again that game will be birmingham 
Alabama in regards to what's going on there. Give you some other uh, HBCU football media day updates. CIAA, uh, they play divisional style as well. You have Bowie State coming out of the Northern Division. Fayetteville State surprises some out of the Southern Division. It's the first time in four, five, six years. Exact. And Winston-Salem State is not selected as the team to come out of the Southern Division of the CIAA. Uh, Fayetteville State made a huge move last year and actually defeated Winston-Salem State, but uh, did not able to get it over the hump to get it done uh, as Winston-Salem State had a better overall divisional record. Also some new news here in Langston uh, as they start their inaugural year in the new conference, the Sooner Athletic Conference was picked as the preseason favorite to top the Sooner Athletic Conference. So Langston HBCU football team out of Oklahoma uh, are smiling up there as they see if they can get it done. Let's Mostly the news going on there. I can say in terms of the MEAC, I mean in terms of uh, the commissioner announcement, you may hear something this week. It seems like things are supposed to be getting really close. I'll be on the road on assignment getting head, ready to head to Orlando uh, present at NCA uh, presentation on HBCU athletic aesthetics. So I'm excited about that. Then I'm going to fly out of there and head to Norfolk so I can do the MEAC Media Day, and they're putting me up uh, to do interviews for their coaches, much like I did for the SWAC Football Media Day. So check me out on Friday if you have a chance on Facebook Live, and we'll bring you interviews from the football coaches and players in the MEAC in Norfolk, Virginia on this Friday. Safe travels to you, Doc. Uh, Wildcat, the American Football Media Days. I, I saw on YouTube uh, the event takes the time and date mentioned on the YouTube American Digital Channel is Tuesday, July 24th. But in the emails I've seen, yeah, it begins Monday the 23rd. So which is it? Okay. Basically, what they have is like a, a coach's roundtable on Monday evening, starting at 7 o'clock um, Eastern time, 6 o'clock here. Then afterwards, uh, for about an hour or so, and then afterwards, they've got this big clam bake, seafood, American, uh, okay, so it's like a, a, f- a f- little food deal Monday. Uh, no, 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 no. It's a big food deal. No, I mean, but it's, but it's, but it's not, but it's not, it's not for the media. It's not for the media. I mean, it's, it's now, not going to be on YouTube. I was saying this because Doc has actually seen the size of a room. Doc, you remember the room we were in where we were all, uh, all up in there together, all gathered in and gathered around? Yeah. There's yes. a open, there's a, two open air tents. Set up, wow! Right next to each other, and all you see is food. <laughs> Everything from clams, lobster, uh, all types of seafood. Uh, you name it, they have it. Plus, you can get your, your barbecue chicken. You can get your hot dog. You can get your uh, barbecue ribs, both beef and pork. 
Uh, I'm trying to think of what else. Uh, and you, you can get your hands on some burgers. Uh, and and everybody <laughs> and everybody's out there eating. Uh, this it's just a Wayne Dane do. And you got a chef crew that's working at the table, uh, cutting up you know roast beef or whatever, whatever you want. They they fix that for you. It's all good. With free food, as they say, free food and drinks. Now do and these were the drinks that when we stepped across the street over there. Not the, not the ones. Not breakfast drinks. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying. But that's what they've got going on tomorrow. Um, it'll be on the American Digital Channel. If you go to the uh, uh, the, the American T-H-E-M-A-M-E-R-I-C org. you should be able to pick up one of the digital networks of the American Conference and be able to follow what's going on live. And then Tuesday morning, they start up right at 7.30 um, with intros, and then at 8.30 they get right into it, and it's an all-day thing. All right. Gonna wrap it up. So, how can folks find you on the internet, Wildcat? You find me online at Twitter, TweetDeck, and Facebook at J L Woodley One, Jerry L Woodley Jr. On YouTube, SoundCloud, Blogger, Blogspot, at AKSV DCSR. The College Sports Report. Oh, I almost forgot. Here locally, uh, Conference USA. Right now, uh, as of today, the uh, player, the uh, players of the year, preseason, offensive player of the year, running back, Florida Atlantic, Devin Devin Singletary, is a junior, defensive player of the year, Aziz Al Shaar. Senior linebacker, Florida Atlanta, they all over the place. And then you have special teams player of the year, Parker Seanfield, uh, senior kicker, Southern Miss. Connor, uh, who made special teams, is Jack Jack Fox. He's a senior. Rice and for the uh, on the uh, teams finishing, it'll be uh, what they uh, what everybody voted on. It was Florida Atlantic got 22 votes out of the East Division, then out of the West. Second overall uh, with 18 point uh, votes is uh, North Texas. Then you have tied out of the uh, East. Uh, then you have out of the East Division, you have Marshall with four votes, and following in and following in line behind them in the East Division still Middle Tennessee. Florida uh, International, Western Kentucky, Old Dominion, and Charlotte. Then in the West Division, you have behind North Texas, La Tech with four votes, UAB with three, Southern Miss with one. That's first place votes, right? TSA, Rice, and then UTEP. Is, is that first place votes? Yes, sir. And Rice is dead last? Uh, with them in the tie with uh, Rice and UTEP. Okay. All right.
right, then Monday, well, I guess it would be uh, Tuesday, we'll find out where U of H is predicted to finish in the American, probably behind USF at the least, maybe USF and UCF. But uh, Coach Alpwhite got got a win. That's bottom line. Football, football makes the world go round. But uh, on campus at U of H, he's behind basketball and, and baseball, and so he, he needs to step his game up. It's time for him. Well, well enough. Well enough. He needs to win. And well enough. He needs. He wants to save his job. He needs, he needs to win. The other thing too that that's working against him is that's about the basketball team got to the tournament. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. He needs to win. It's, it's, as we all know, one of the other sports get out in front of you. You got to catch up quick. Exactly. He needs to win, yeah. and it's football. Football makes the world go around. In college yeah, athletics, he, need he, he needs to win. Not not seventy five, not eight and five. He needs to win. He needs to win the division. He needs to make it difficult for U of H Cougar alums to decide what they're going to do December first. He needs to be in that conference championship game and make make it tough. Well, for fans to say, well, should I go see? The football team play or save my money and come see U of H and Oregon playing basketball later that, that evening. He needs to do that. Am I expecting it? Nope. Hell no. I'm expecting us to have a whole bunch of U of H folks at Fertitta Center looking forward to basketball season because football season is over. That's what I'm <coughs> expecting. He needs to win. And I think, he, and he knows it because of all these transfers and and of what is it, graduate transfers he's brought into the program. He needs to win this year. It's uh, Ed Oliver's last year before Ed goes to the pros. He now that's true. Needs that that's the key to, to the whole win. thing, right there. Period. Right there. You defensively, you shouldn't be hurting at all on no level. That defense be dropping off. I don't heard too much offside about that defense. He got Kendall Brown. Folks, folks want he folks want to make that happen to, to happen. Period. He needs to win. Double digit wins. He needs to win. Oh, uh, and then and don't be done. Doc, before, before you get back at you know after you go to the to the MEAC, if you can ask the coaches how they feel about the new transfer rule and is it working for them? Okay, I certainly will make sure and, I get that because that, that way all the conferences will be covered, and then we'll we'll know just on a conversation you and I had with the swag coaches, you know how everybody's feeling about that and how they're adjusting to it. Exactly, and then we'll get the chance to present it to everybody. Last thing okay. I want to do, uh, another positive note, uh, PBIL Coaches Association had the Hall of Fame banquet uh, last night in San Antonio. Sold over a thousand tickets. Good thing. Good thing. Good so thing. It, it was capacity to crowd. Crowd was really into the event. A lot of old timers got accolades that they were due for a lot of people will say overdue in a lot of ways really exciting and the day before i really got some uh 
proud as my brother, youngest brother, Kwame Cavill. Many of you all may have heard about him in his days at the University of Texas of Wild Receivers, but there he was at Waco High in Waco, Texas, part of the Waco Independent School District. He was named the head football coach back at Waco High on Mamata on Friday, and so I was able to get down there with Duke. Uh, to celebrate as he had a media press conference. He did a great job. A lot of people there excited about it. First time in history African American uh, was named head coach of Waco High School. And so um, it's a chance to make a difference. So we're putting big. And certainly supporting. I just wanted to put that out there. That's big, Doc. Good luck. And Doc, Texas Dr. Fox finds you on the internet. Certainly, they can f- find me at Dr. Kenyatta Cavill, D R K E N. Y-A-T-T-A-C-A-V-I-L D-R-K-E-N Y-A-T-T-A-C-A-V-I-L And about your show on uh, KCOH Thank you, yes Every Tuesday from 545-715 You can listen to us on KKBQ 92.9 FM HD 2 As we give you Dr. Cavill's Inside HBCU Sports Lab give you updates on HBCU Sports and you'll hear me chiming on there from the road as I tell you I'll be in Orlando but the show will go on as we'll have Charles Bishop uh, in studio looking forward to have a great interview as he's bringing somebody in studio so check it out 545 715 this Tuesday KKBQ 92.9 FM HD2 again you can watch it uh, on www.kcoh-tv.com watch it streaming as you listen to the show. And I am Chris Gardner, KG of the Houston Round Ball Review, HoustonRoundBallReview.com, Houston Round Ball Review on Instagram and YouTube. On Twitter, I am the, or the, T-H-E-H-R Review. Uh, shout out to uh, Sports Zone Unfiltered on uh, The Cube with John Lopez and Paul Gallant having on TV. Uh, a couple weeks ago, talking uh, Rockets. So I think that should be on the Cube website. Or if not, I'm trying to get it a copy of it so I can post on my radio and TV appearance page on HoustonRoundBarView.com. So working on that as well. Go to my men's and women's Hoos blog for the information about the Final Fours and Rice and U of H. Fellas Hoops and um, Coach Huey and Coach Finney from U of H to HBU on women's blog I need to tell Coach Huey and U of H folks that got more HBU people listen to the interview of Coach Finney on SoundCloud than him so I'll go figure that so you know wow. so, yep. so uh, just, just saying oh, you know, y'all got some work to do because I know y'all been retweeting it and stuff but are y'all listen to it well y'all listen to it so I don't, I'm just saying HBU got show my love for the interview than y'all showing Coach Huey and the U of H just saying and working on other in- interviews for other people as well. So just uh, stay tuned for that. Coaches are on the road to finish out their recruiting, summer recruiting this week. So interviews, college coaches-wise, probably won't be this week, but may have a, some Rocket-related interviews uh, posted. Talk to some some of my colleagues and buddies about the Rockets. So getting closer to uh, that dude coming to town, Mello. Carmelo coming to the Rockets, so we're going to talk about that, whether he fits or not. 
So um, look for that on HoustonRoundBarReview.com as well. Fellas, thank you for your time. Doc, safe travels to you. Wildcat, uh, you and I are going to discuss uh, what we see on, on the American channel and uh, see where UVH has picked to, to finish. Because like I said, one more time. It's going to be just, interesting. Just make it's it clear. It's going to be interesting. Make it plain. Major Opa White needs to win this year. One more time. Make That's it plain. Clear. He needs to win this year. I am KG with Houston Round Bar Review. Gonna wrap it up as I always do. In conclusion, be true, be cool, and do more.